Hey everyone, welcome to Match of the Year podcast. I'm your host, Chris Garcia. Today we're looking at a match that really, it won Match of the Year for really good reason. Because it's an amazing freaking match. But was completely overshadowed by another match on the same card. When you ask a lot of fans about WrestleMania 3, they'll talk about Hogan Andre and how this was the shining, sparkling moment of wrestling in the 1980s. Can't argue with it. It was a big deal. I was there. I was a little Hulkamaniac. But stepping back, the other match on the card that a lot of hardcore fans will talk about, first and foremost is Randy Savage versus Ricky Steamboat. And I know lots of people who in the early 90s were saying that the greatest match ever was Steamboat Savage. And it's a beautifully worked match. And there's a couple of reasons for that. One is that Steamboat is a brilliant, timed wrestler. And when he came back, he couldn't do everything he did in the 80s. He came back, I think it was 2009, 2010, And, of course, he's limited. I mean, he's in his 50s. But he still had that timing and the ability to connect with a crowd through his athleticism. Hugely important to be able to do that. But the other is Savage. And Savage had an intensity that is impossible to overstate. And with this amazing timing and this great athleticism and intensity, both of these guys, great athletes, what you end up having is a really good match basis. You have a base for a great match. And they both brought the crowd in, the intensity of the appreciation of the crowd. This is the peak of WWF at its peak. And if you compare WWF in the late 80s, uh, 86, 87, 88, and even 85, I guess, to any other period, even the Attitude Era boom, there's no comparison. There were it was much hotter in the eighties. It was a much bigger cultural thing in the mainstream culture than it was, even Austin coming off in The Rock. And all those things combined to have this great match, which told a really great story. They had this wonderful storyline going back where uh Savage and Steve had been feuding over the IC title and uh Savage had used the ring bell on Steamboat's throat. Good good storytelling, really good storytelling. And watching the whole thing, I wish WWE would do just a documentary on that, on just their feud, like do a two-hour documentary. It'd be great. But what happened in this match, and George Steele was involved too because he was infatuated with uh, Miss Elizabeth and all this sort of stuff going on at once, and it was great. And we're watching the match, and as it unfolds, what I realized when I rewatched this was Savage wasn't Ric Flair. Savage wasn't a brilliant worker who knew how to make the most out of every move. He was a good worker who knew how to present intensity through athleticism. 
And actually, I would say he did that far better than Flair. In fact, I can only think of a couple of wrestlers in history who had the ability to project so much intensity and they're Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit. Those two. No, no two better people. Maybe, maybe Bruiser Brody, but in a different sort of way. You could argue both Stan Hansen and Steve Williams, but they were also both better traditional just workers. I believe, really, really believe that Savage is the peak of intensity through athleticism. And that is really key to the making this match work, to playing off of Steamboat's... In a way, Steamboat sort of had this scientific, good guy form. And it worked. It really works. I mean, watch any of his matches with Flair, which we'll talk about later. Watch any of his matches uh, with uh, Rick Rude or Steve Austin in the early 90s in WCW. I don't know if we ever got Sting versus Steamboat, but that would have been a great match. I would have loved to have watched that. The problem with this match, though, is that it was the blow-off. And afterwards, Steamboat couldn't hold it. And that, that seems odd. I know that there were some issues with Steamboat and his wife and management and so forth. He would end up losing the title to uh, the honky-tonk man, who had, of course, the longest run with the title in history. But really, this was the high watermark for Steamboat in the WWE, or in that case, WWF. In a different world, Steamboat was world champion for a long time. And I understand why he wasn't. Uh, A lot of folks didn't see his... He didn't have the cosmetic look that Hogan had. He didn't have the charisma in a way that Hogan had, even though he was incredibly charismatic and, you know, lots of kids loved Steamboat. But it just wasn't there. And that's a shame because he could have really made the WWF into a work rate fed. And that would have been so awesome. They didn't have a lot of guys who could hang with him. Savage was probably the only one, and perhaps uh, Iron Mike Sharp, who just passed away, uh, who was actually a great worker. Actually, so was Ron Bass, and he was around. He was really, really good, and most people don't sort of give him credit for that. But that's it. There really wasn't anyone who could be tip-top and hang with him. This match is well worth watching. WrestleMania three as a cultural artifact, is spectacular even though most of the matches aren't any good. Piper Adonis has moments. Uh, Hogan Andre is historically hugely important, and it's always great to watch Billy Jack Haynes puke on Hercules' back, but other than that, it's not a great wrestling... It's a great wrestling show. It's not great wrestling matches, except for this one. So watch it. <laughs> 